Hey everyone, welcome to Spin Radio, your guide to understanding the trends, tools, and techniques to help your business thrive in the fast-moving landscape of digital and web. I'm Michael Reynolds. And I'm Allison Gibbs. Welcome, welcome. Happy Friday, everybody. Uh, you're probably not listening on a Friday because most of our listeners listen after the fact, so we're going to make you wish it were Friday by saying, Happy Friday! Happy Friday! Happy Friday, everybody. Or Happy Monday or Tuesday or Saturday or whenever it is. So uh, we are doing something different today. We're going to welcome somebody into our studio. Heather Chastain is with us. Heather, how are you? Hey, I'm good. Thanks, Michael, for having me. Glad to have you. So Heather has inspired us to do something different today. We have a great show planned we're going to do our weekly roundup, as always. For weekly roundup, we have some stuff about uh, from Vimeo. Vimeo is launching a new stock video library, which Allison told us about this morning. Uh, bright and early at 7 a.m. was when you slacked, I believe. You're welcome. And uh, Facebook is also planning a major move into e-commerce, as reported by Investopedia. So we'll talk about that a little bit. I think Allison wants to uh, soapbox a little bit about the Nike campaign. Ooh, I'm I, sure you're shocked to hear no, that. No soapbox here. We're just going to chat about it a little bit. A little soapbox? Yeah, maybe a little. Maybe, uh, I don't know. We'll little, see. Uh, little we'll mini see how soapbox. the spirit moves me. We'll see that. And then Heather has inspired us to do a new kind of segment, which I think we're hopefully going to repeat uh, more than once. This is our first go at this. Uh, Heather reached out. Uh, I think you reached out because you were just kind of asking questions about podcasting, right? Correct. Yeah. yeah. So you started you. your own podcast mm-hmm. and you wanted to know kind of how we did it and what the technology behind it was. Kind of just talk about, you know, some tips and tricks. Is that kind of what you Absolutely. were looking for? Yeah. Absolutely. So, so we had a great conversation and we thought, hey, why not invite Heather into the studio with us and join us? And then we thought, why not go a step further and have her join us on the show and talk to her about things? So we're going to talk to Heather about things. Yay. So she has a whole list of things to talk about, uh, including uh, Facebook algorithms, Instagram, uh, Instagram pods, which I had never heard of. Um, confession before Heather uh, told us about this. Have you heard of Instagram pods? Uh, yes, I have. Actually. Okay. So we're going to talk about that. Uh, marketing tools for a small business to invest in, and uh, what a website needs to capitalize on SEO today. So some fun stuff to talk about. So we're going to call it our listener wrap session. So we're going to say that anytime a listener wants to join us in the studio and come on the show, we're going to invite them on for a listener wrap session and talk about whatever they want to talk about. So that's our that's our thing. So maybe it'll happen once because maybe no one else will take us up on it. But hey, we're doing it this time. So listeners, join us if you want to. Let us know. Uh, radio at spinweb.net. Radio at spinweb.net. <laughs> you You're like welcome to, to us. join us anytime. So let's get started with weekly roundup. So Vimeo has launched a stock photo library. And do you like it? So it's stock video. Stock video oh, library. Yeah, Sorry. Stock video yeah. library. I kind of glanced and, at it. Yeah. So the footage seems to be pretty legit and actually good footage from a stock perspective. The only thing that I don't quite understand is the pricing model because they have standard pricing and then there's a member pricing. But the way that they say it says upgrade to save 20% on every clip and save 20% on a paid membership when you buy a clip. So you have the membership, but then you also have to pay for each clip. So the the pricing model, I'm unclear on how it actually works because I still think you have to pay for every single clip that you're using. Um, even if you have a membership, it's just mm-hmm. if you get the discount or not. But I also haven't gone through all full disclosure. I haven't gone through the full the shopping cart. Um, to see if it makes more sense once you actually go through the shopping cart. But the footage seems really good. So if you're putting together videos on a re- fairly regular basis, um, I mean, it's 4K. They've got 4K options, high def clips. I mean, it's it all looks really good. Mm. So it could be a good opportunity for you guys to expand some of the video components. And then I was also 
um, I was, I'm in another group on Facebook for our marketers, uh, where they were kind of going back and forth about this versus Lumen five. And I think I've talked about Lumen five before here. Um, if I haven't Lumen five is a video tool that you can put together really quick videos, uh, using your blog content, using your pre-existing content. And so some people were talking about how can you leverage both of them back and forth? Can you use both at the same time? So Lumen5 also offers their own stock video as well that you can pay a premium price for, or you can basically pay um, a higher subscription model for access to that. And so I think that the, the conclusion that everybody came to was that you can use both of them together, but does it make sense to pay for the Vimeo stock footage if you're using Lumen5? Probably not. Uh, it would be better to just upgrade to the next level of Lumen5. And then if you are to the next level within your video production, then maybe the Vimeo uh, stock stock video is going to be a better option for you than the Lumen5. Because the Lumen5 is pretty basic. It's wonderful, but it's super basic. Gotcha. So I'm gonna. I always forget. To, I, I do this wrong every time. I'm gonna rewind and make sure I do a proper introduction of Heather because every time we have a guest on, I jump right into weekly roundup and forget to intro them, and I have to go back and rewind. So once again, <laughs> before we move on to our next topic, let me give a proper introduction to Heather um, before just saying, besides just saying like, "Hey, Heather's with us." So Heather, I'm gonna pull up her LinkedIn profile and I'm gonna get started and probably um, um, leave out some stuff that she's gonna you know fill in here, but. Heather's LinkedIn profile um, kind of uh, tags her as the queen of words. She's a writer, author, and communicator. And you own your own uh, freelance or, or your own business doing writing and PR. Is that well? Is correct. that correct? Okay. Correct. So writing and PR. And you've been doing it for about 10 years, it looks like. Yes. Right? Okay. So you uh, is it uh, just you? Do you have a team with you? What's your business structure like? Yeah, it's pretty much just me. I mean, occasionally okay. I do have to get people to help me, but pretty mm-hmm. much it's just me. Okay. Great. So if anyone is looking for help with writing or PR or words in general, things like that, uh, Heather is, is your gal. So uh, you're on LinkedIn at Heather Chastain. Um, the LinkedIn username you have is Heather Chastain. Yes. And what would you add about yourself that would help us get to know you? I'm a storyteller. I, I believe firmly in everyone has a story and I want to tell it and I want to look at the best ways, the best channels to get that information out there and what is the best way to tell your story because everyone has one. And I love words. I love talking. I love listening. I love sharing information. Nice. And it looks like you, do you have a website? Let me grab your... Yes, heatherchastain.com. Oh, well, that's easy. Yes, absolutely. And so I also blog and talk about some different things, uh, some more personal things uh, like mental health awareness and things like that. I struggle with an anxiety disorder and depression, and this is Suicide Awareness Month. And um, But I also talk about business, and I talk about um, you know ways to get out there, and then I have my new podcast. So... Which is called? My First Dollar, and you can find it on iTunes. I think you have seven episodes out now, right? Correct. Okay, awesome. My First Dollar, so go check it out if you like podcasts, which we know you do because you're listening to this one. So you must like <laughs> yes. podcasts. Yes. There you go. Well, thanks, Heather. I'm yeah. so glad you reached out, and I'm so glad you inspired us to do this kind of listener rap session type of episode where we bring you on to chat. So, yeah, I'm happy to be here. Cool. All right. So now, properly, back to Weekly Roundup. Are you dancing? A little bit. bit. I like it. Allison's dancing a little bit. Just preparing. So Facebook, I I read this on Investopedia because I am a money nerd, as we all know, uh, and I do read Investopedia. Uh, Facebook has been reported to be planning a major move into e-commerce, which I am not shocked by. I think this is logical. Yeah, We've kind of alluded to this before, but uh, supposedly it is through Instagram. They want to make a platform. They're kind of starting this process of putting a platform together on Instagram where it actually will compete directly with services like Shopify. So if you want to start your own store, 
most people would use something like Shopify or Big Commerce or something like that. So apparently, Instagram's uh, new store feature will be something on par to compete with Shopify. So retailers, small businesses, people with products, they can actually list their products on Instagram and take the payments and have the entire transaction go through Instagram. So again, I'm not shocked to hear this, but I think it's going to be a little bit, for lack of a better non-buzzword, disruptive uh, to the industry. I think we've seen kind of a a slow migration of e-commerce um, getting more and more focused toward things like you know sites like Amazon or the big aggregator sites or something like this, where to really be successful in e-commerce now, you have to be really specialized if it's your own website. Uh, what are your thoughts, uh, Heather or Allison? Well, I have one question. Do we think that this is going to replace websites, or is this just something that would be in addition to an e-commerce website? I think it will replace some e-commerce websites. Okay. And by some, I mean you, your main website will still be there, but a lot of sites have their main website, and then they have like a Shopify site for their products, or oh, maybe the so entire site is Shopify. Okay. I think it's in just like I mean, so many people predict. Oh, it's the like the, you know the death of email or whatever. Like we've talked about. Mm-hmm. Um, usually, the landscape adapts, from what I can tell, and kind of shifts direction a little bit in some ways in certain cases. But I don't think this is going to kill e-commerce sites. I think it's going to maybe replace some of them in certain cases. Well, I mean, the the other thing that comes to mind is we all know that there are um, entrepreneurs out there that sell things via Facebook and they only have Facebook. So I'm thinking mm-hmm. about, you know, clothing distributors yeah. and essential oil distributors. I mean, people like that, that are only using Facebook or only using mm-hmm. Instagram to sell whatever product they're selling. They don't need they don't a fancy have, website. Yeah. Or they don't even have a website. Yeah. A lot of people don't even have, they only have their Facebook page, group, Instagram, whatever they have, um, that this would be a way for Facebook to generate revenue Mm -hmm. using the sales that they know are already going on. That would be a good way for them to capitalize on it while not, I think, I mean, we all know that advertising is their main source of revenue, Mm -hmm. but this could be another revenue generating opportunity for them. I'm guessing they're always looking for more revenue. (laughs) I mean, I would be too. (laughs) Full disclosure. Um, I would be too. But then... Like the the other side to this is um, from a security standpoint, I think people are the consumers are already so uneasy about Facebook as it is that could this harm brands by having a shopping cart through? Oh, that's a good point. Facebook or Instagram. I know you said Instagram, but I'm assuming that it'll be on Facebook as well if they're just using the Instagram, whatever yeah. that, that infrastructure is to then push it through to Facebook. Yeah, I would agree. Um, so would that uneasy feeling that people are already feeling about face- Facebook potentially hurt brands that are going to be using the shopping cart because they might feel like it's going to be not secure? Yeah, I think it could. Uh, on the flip side, though, I think let's say you're your local coffee shop and you want to sell coffee. You know, um, I don't drink coffee, so what's it called? Like packages of coffee or like bags of coffee? Like, what do you? 
Oh, you're looking at the wrong. Oh, you don't person. drink coffee either. <laughs> you drink coffee? No, either? I don't drink coffee. <laughs> okay, I think it's the bags of coffee, right? Like the beans, like coffee the, grounds. Yeah, grounds. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm so bad at this. I don't know. I don't even know what coffee looks like. So, so let's say they okay, want to so sell. Co- like, there are coffee beans, and then they have to be ground down into. So it's like, like a bag grounds. of grounds. Yeah. Okay. Yes, and they can also come in cans too. I, My husband's at least a coffee drinker, so I am exposed to what it looks like. Well, I've seen these bags that they sell That's with it, things yes. in them that make coffee. So yes. I guess okay. So okay, anyway, this would be the grounds. They want to sell the coffee grounds. Whatever. Nathan, what was Nathan saying? You just go to Starbucks. Oh, Nathan saying go to Starbucks. Well, yeah. Okay. Well, anyway, I'm trying to make a point here, Nathan. So, <laughs> Nathan, stay behind the computer. <laughs> so, let's say you want, you're a local coffee shop. You want to sell your coffee grounds. I mean, yeah, you could set up a Shopify site or whatever, and you could probably. I mean, because you're a small coffee shop stretched on resources, you may not make the best site in the world. It may have some issues. It may not be user friendly. You may not be able to market it very well. Or you could use your Instagram account that already has a bunch of followers because you're a fun local coffee shop and you could just throw some products on there and it probably is a more a, a less a more frictionless way to do this. You've got less friction, you've already got the audience there. It's going to be a lot easier. So, I think in cases like that, this could make a lot of sense. Well, and I also think for like the younger consumer, I don't think they're as affected by what happened on Facebook. I think they're like, "Oh, well, things happen. Move on." You know, yeah, I think they're kind be. of over it. And so I yeah. kind of don't know if they're going to really be too upset about it or too worried. Which is why I think it goes through Instagram. Like I think right. that's part yeah. of Yeah. Instagram that, is a little more trusted I think right now that, than Facebook. And, which is I mean, Silly. which is it, funny because it's Facebook. It's right. all the same, but I don't know if people really process it that way. So sure. Absolutely. And it's also obvious Structurally speaking, it's two separate platforms. So yeah. we know this, but mm-hmm. it's available um, now for testing. So if you go to um, hmm. business.instagram, well, it's too long a URL, I'm not going to say it, but it's uh, if you basically <laughs> click on the link from the Investopedia article, you can go to Instagram's page on their shopping uh, feature and you can kind of uh, read about it. And I don't think you can apply yet. Let me see. I don't know if it's available to everybody or not, but it's in testing, they say. So yeah, it's basically available to some will probably become more widely available. So, interesting. All right, so, Allison, I know you want to talk about Nike, so yeah. uh, we only have a set amount of time here. So you. I'm just It's fine. Just saying. I'm, you know. <laughs> that's Michael's way of saying, <laughs> Allison, don't talk so much, because <laughs> I know that you can talk a lot about this. Okay, so this past weekend, Nike released their new Just Do It campaign, which Just Do It has been their tagline for 30 years now, and so this was a big unveiling for their campaign, and it had Colin Kaepernick on it and with a a slogan a saying um that basically said and i'm paraphrasing hang on just a moment let me grab the exact the exact wording just so i can get it right um believe in something even if it means sacrificing everything and just a quick recap colin kaepernick is a former quarterback in the nfl he started protesting various um, various social issues going on within our country by sitting down during the national anthem. He then switched his protest after working and talking through with uh, members of the of the armed services of what's an, what's a more appropriate way of protesting. He then decided to kneel. Um, other members, other players in the NFL, followed suit within his protest and. Um, a lot of controversy ensued from there. That's kind of the high level, <laughs> big overview of what happened. And so that's where the, it's his face, um, believe in something, even if it means sacrificing everything. And so he is no longer contracted within the NFL at the moment, at least, um, nor will he probably ever again. Um, I don't want to say ever again, but um, not looking good for him. So that's where the slogan is coming from. And so, this, of course, has just spurred 
a huge controversy within the country about people because a lot of people took it as that he was being disrespectful to the flag. He was being disrespectful to the country um, that, you know, being disrespectful during the national anthem um, when he was protesting. So that's the kind of the, the general feel about this. So now that Nike has made a very clear political stance that has made people feel as if kind of feel one way or the other, basically yes, Nike or, Oh my gosh, I'm going to burn all of my Nikes. And so I wanted to take a step back because I, first off, just a little bit about me. I love a good advertising campaign. Um, I'm not in advertising. I'm, I very clearly say that I'm in marketing, which is a lot of times they overlap because it's messaging, it's branding, marketing, advertising. It all works together. Um, but I don't work in advertising. And so um, when I see a really good ad campaign, man, it just makes me, uh, my heart sore. Whether or not I agree with what is being said, um, with the messaging, I can certainly respect that. And so that's what I wanted to walk through here because um, Nike is a multi-billion dollar company. I mean, we're talking like 30 plus billion dollars in annual revenue, which is insane. And um, the general feel that I saw at first, because this, I first saw it on Facebook and then you start to see people commenting and you see you know, it's a very much polar. It's very polarizing. People are either on one side or the other. There's really no in between. Um, and so watching everybody kind of go back and forth about this, the first thing I thought of was, this is exactly what Nike wanted. This is exactly what Nike wanted. And you start to see things and you hear things, um, you know, I can't believe Nike did this. I can't believe that they took this political stance. I can't believe that they're doing all of this stuff. How stupid of a decision. How like how dumb did they have to be? Clearly, they made this decision on the fly. And so I just want to be very clear about something. I am not. I've never worked for Nike. I don't work for Nike. I've never worked in their advertising campaigns or anything. Um, but what I do know about multi-billion dollar brands is that a lot of research goes into this before they make the decision to move forward. And obviously, we've seen things in the past, like the Pepsi ad with Kendall Jenner, um, other advertising campaigns in the past where they try to make a political stance or they try to kind of go into a space where it doesn't make sense for them. It fails a little bit. In this case, I think that this is right in Nike's wheelhouse. This is the 30th anniversary of the Just Do It campaign. Historically speaking, they have always made a public, a political stance about and a social stance about their advertising, who they're advertising to. They know exactly who that is. And so in this case, um, their target audience, and this is a Nike executive to ESPN, their target audience for this campaign specifically was 15 to 17-year-olds. So if you think about all of the people that are like talking back and forth, even on the news outlets, even us right now, we're not their target audience at all. Mm-hmm. And we still have yet to hear anything about their target, like from their target audience, whether or not they're okay, like whether anybody feels positive or negative about it. Um, but they are very specifically trying to attract young Gen Zers. And it, the research shows that that specific generation supports brands that take political stances. And so after all is said and done from a marketing perspective, whether you agree with it or not, they are doing exactly what we preach on a regular basis, which is know your audience, meet them where they're at, provide messaging and send them messaging that you know that they want to hear and make them feel good about your brand. And so um, 
whether or not it's working or whether or not they are going to lose money off of this and lose revenue, I think that we'll know very quickly within the next um, couple of, uh, within certainly the next quarterly report, we'll know uh, whether or not this is quote unquote working. Um, But I will say that Bloomberg published the other day within 24 hours, they received $43 million dollars worth of earned media exposure just from this one image of Colin Kaepernick going out. And so here they've made a political stance. Yes, we understand that. But that controversy then generated all of this conversation. And everyone's talking about Nike. Everybody's talking about Nike. Everybody's talking about it. And so um, I'm not always, I don't like controversy for the sake of controversy. I want to be very clear about that. But I do think that when your brand makes a very specific stance um, that it could benefit you in the long run. Is Nike going to lose some customers over this? Yeah. I mean, we can, I can guarantee that. They're going to lose some customers over this. But in the long run, they're so confident in their target audience of 15 to 17-year-olds that they published and released this anyways. And it's more, I want to say the full campaign is more than just Colin Kaepernick. There's Serena Williams is in there. There's uh, an Iron Man that's in there. There's a full video that's got... Um, a bunch of people, and it's all talking about how crazy your dreams are, which is awesome, and I love it. Um, so it's it, it's more. You love than a good just follow your dreams run. campaign. Uh, yes, <laughs> I do. I love it. It's and it's the whole tagline of that specific video is um, not to ask if your dreams are crazy. It's ask if they're crazy enough mm. because the whole theme is like you, you, when you talk about these things, like Serena Williams, you know, a girl from Compton, is she going to win a Grand Slam? <laughs> is she going to hit a Grand Slam? within the tennis world that that at the time probably seemed crazy. And so that the whole campaign is more than just this one photo. So if you take a look back, Nike, I think is honoring its brand, what they've been doing for the last 30 years, this goes right along with it. I think because of the polarized political climate that we're in right now, it's getting more attention than a campaign like this ever would have received 10 years ago. And so are they going to lose some business? Yes, but I think in the long run, they've done their due diligence to make sure that they will remain solidified within their tar- target audience. Right on. Any other thoughts about that? I got no, a lot I, to I say. I got nothing. Brilliant. <laughs> Anything you would add, Heather? No, just it's kind of been interesting watching like the memes run wild on Facebook oh, as the, well. The memes are really good. I'm not going to talk about anyone because some of them are like really mean, but um, they are. I saw a Tanya Harding meme. So, oh my gosh. <laughs> Take some a knee. Of them, okay, you guys, the internet, I think the internet is a wonderful place. <laughs> um, and I, yes, you're right. Take a knee. I mean, some of them are really bad. Some of them are really mean, but like overall, I think that people like it's can and taking that and it's continuing the brand exposure and people are still talking about it Mm -hmm. um i mean i think that overall the messaging like the overall message like at its core whether or not colin kaepernick's face is right there in front of it i think that that just kind of put it all together visually i think that the overall message is sound um and i think that that will i think that is what will stick for the long run basically and eventually like we'll forget about the controversy so yeah. all right anything Ooh, you would add man. to weekly roundup heather no i think that sounded good i think she took it sorry <laughs> took it home. Right. <laughs> well now that we have a couple minutes left i'm kidding we have more stop, of that. <laughs> stop. <laughs> so for our first inaugural i guess that's redundant first inaugural the same thing our first <laughs> listener rap session with heather chastain today heather has brought us a number of topics to discuss 
one of them we'll start with how can small businesses or brands navigate the new Facebook and Instagram algorithms and still reach their target audience? That's a great place to start. So how can small businesses and brands navigate these algorithms and reach their target audience? Who wants to start? What I'll do you think, Heather? Heather? I'm looking at you. You want to answer your own You're question? You're looking at me. <laughs> oh, no, oh. no. I mean, that's, this is a question that I know, like, for myself, as a person who is trying to, you know, launch this new podcast, My First Dollar, and, you know, get her name out there. <laughs> On iTunes. like that, yes. And get her name out there and things like that. You know, it's so hard. And it seems like every time you turn around, you know, you're always hearing Facebook is, you know, changing their algorithm. And obviously, Cambridge Analytica has continued to sort of change that. But it's like, how do you get out there and how do you push good quality content without being redundant and, you know, blowing up people's feeds and things like that. Like, what is the best way to get your message out there on social media? Okay, I'll start. Um, so I think <laughs> the best way is up for grabs. I don't know if this is the best way or not, but one way that I have seen work is to specialize and focus your brand. So we've seen cases where you know, you've got a small business or a large business even, and they're a very generalized company. They serve lots of different types of uh, customers, they have a wide variety, they don't have really one specialty that stands out over the other, and therefore on Facebook, for example, or, or Instagram, or whatever platform you want to name, they just kind of keep it very generalized and talk to everybody. Mm-hmm. They talk about their services and products and things, and they, they might have some valuable stuff too, but it's all kind of generalized. When I see brands and businesses that are extremely specialized and focused on one target audience that is extremely focused and very niche they get more organic reach. They get a, a, a higher percentage of their followers actually see their organic posts. And I think that's because Facebook understands that it's more relevant to a specific group. And so that relevance plays into the algorithm and gets their content seen more. So to me, that's not so much a way to use social media or a way that you're kind of gaming the system or working the algorithm it goes back even further to the brand itself. And is your brand specialized enough to serve a very niche target audience? That's one way I've seen work really well. So for example, on a generalized brand, you may get a 3% reach when you post something on a Facebook page. With a very specialized brand, you might get 10 plus percent reach, which doesn't sound like a lot, but if you have thousands of followers, it can make a big difference. Okay. That's my take on it. Yeah, and I also think that going along with the the specialized um, component to your business. If you can, it, generally speaking, if you can kind of think of a theme or um, almost like a culture for your, uh, for your, for the different social profiles and the different, um, the, so Facebook might be one thing and Instagram might be another. That could be another way to tailor the audience a little bit more because people know what to expect then, and then they can determine whether or not they want to follow you on Facebook or Instagram, or if, even if it's going to be appropriate for them for their newsfeed. Because everybody treats their um, Instagram news feeds, Facebook news feed, everybody treats it a little bit differently of how they want to do it. So, you know, personally right. speaking, I like to interact with my family, with my friends. I like to stare, to share, you know, like really dumb things on Facebook. <laughs> uh, that's kind of my, it's kind of my little <laughs> shtick with my thing. friends. It is kind of my thing. I just like really, I like laughing, you guys. So mm-hmm. sharing dumb things is kind of my thing. Um, so that's that's one thing I think that that brands could do is if you start to come, to, if you start to have a theme and you start to have a goal for what it is you're trying to accomplish with those different channels, then that could help. Um, that could help. Now, 
<laughs> to quote unquote like tricking the algorithm. That's what I always people are always asking me like, how do we trick this or how do we get around it? Okay, well, you're it's Facebook and it's Instagram. Like you're not going to get around this mm-hmm. um, because as soon as somebody figures it out and they publish it. Facebook and Instagram are already changing the algorithm to make sure that you can't game the system. It's just like Google. Google does the same thing. So um, it's more about if you can deliver the content that people want, get them engaged and get them uh, involved on a regular and consistent basis, then the likelihood of reaching the appropriate audience is, is better. Now, I do think that it's easier to reach newer audiences on Instagram than it is on Facebook. I'm seeing a lot uh, a lot more success from that angle than I am from Facebook specifically. Uh, and I'm speaking organically right now. Um, uh-huh. Advertising, we all, we've talked about it all the time. We talk about it all the time. Advertising on Facebook is probably the way to go for most brands. Um, but Instagram seems to be easier through, you're going to have to do some research, hashtags, mm-hmm. um, interacting and engaging with other followers finding people with that are commenting on other like brands um interacting with them that way and then from there there are i think that through stories is another great way for brands to interact now and i i agree with that with facebook too facebook stories and instagram Um, i think instagram stories are a little bit more um i don't want to say well received because I don't think that's the right word. Um, I think they're more widely used than yeah, Facebook. I would agree with that. And I don't know. I don't have data on that for sure. I'm just looking at how brands are using them right now mm-hmm. and brands are using Instagram more than Facebook. So um, as soon as somebody publishes a data source that said, proves me wrong, then I would <laughs> then I would go with Instagram first. But that's just me. No, I like it. And I think you're right. I think that there are a lot more people using Instagram and being able to get that organic reach. And, you know, I've been learning about these people that are making these pods on Instagram. Yes. And I was kind of like, are you kidding me right now? Because that almost seems like these people are trying to trick the algorithm because it's a bunch of like-minded people liking each other's That's stuff. That's exactly what they're doing. So, I mean, um, I don't want to like say that they're like being, I don't think well, they're being no. malicious. No, but, oh, absolutely not. Yeah. There's no no malice. They're all like, let's help each other. Yeah. Um, but how would that actually, do you think, would that actually help their organic reach? Because, I mean, if all these people like the same thing, that's not super organic. Well, me. that's what it's supposed to do in theory. Um, so let's define Instagram pods. Let's move to that one. So, Allison, you have either participated or you're aware of Instagram pods, it sounds like. So what is an Instagram pod? Yeah, so an Instagram pod is basically a private group within Instagram that when you are, think of it like a group chat. So when you are, when you've posted something, it's a targeted group of individuals, about 20 to 30, where you could send them a notification that says, hey, I just posted this, please go like it. So that way it bumps to the top of everybody's newsfeed. And so Mm -hmm. the thought process behind this is the more engagement your posts receive, the more likely they are to be seen in news feeds and in some of the the public channels as well. So there are you know public discovery areas within Instagram, and so th- when the um, so part of the reason why this is a little bit controversial is because everyone in the group it's almost like a like for like kind of it operates um, or comment for comment basis. So it's everybody working together for the greater good. Now the question is. Is this quote unquote ethical? I mean, people are asking if it's ethical. I don't know if that's necessarily the right way to, to look at this, but um, that's basically the gist of it. And I actually said, I said 20 to 30. HubSpot defines it as 15 to 20. 
Um, and they say in a similar industry as your own, but it doesn't even necessarily have to be a similar industry. I mean, it could be anybody. Similar yeah. target audience, right? Could be, yeah. It could be anybody. It could be influencers. It could be your friends, your family. Um, the way that I think about pods is that's how like dolphins <laughs> travel <laughs> around. Animal lover here. Um, that's how dolphin like dolphins like travel in little pods and groups, and they help each other out and whatnot. Like that's basically where I. That's how my brain interprets it. If that's helpful for any other animal lovers out there, um, it's kind of the, the same idea. Sure. Hmm. Okay. Interesting. I mean, I, I've read a couple articles on it because I'd never heard of this before, actually, before Heather asked the question uh, prior to the show. And the articles seem to say it's, you know, it works to some extent and it's available to anybody that wants to to use it. So it's not like you're cheating. I mean, anybody could do this. Some people just choose to and some people choose not to. So the consensus also seems to be that eventually Instagram's going to figure it out and they're going to... well not make it work anymore <laughs> here's how you get into a pod because that's like one of the questions is how do you how do you form a pod <laughs> secret handshake um, a secret handshake a series of clicks like dolphins <laughs> oh my gosh what if that was it like what if you had to go in and be like ah! that would be brilliant <laughs> here for it please post a video of you doing that trying to get into a pod thanks eli actually brought a dolphin to uh daycare today for show and tell oh so. fantastic Apropos. eli oh, is see it's all for also girl yep. eli is michaelson um so you get into a pod by you. There are groups on Facebook and you basically search for a group on Facebook and there are some, they call mastermind pods or other types, types like that. And then you join that way. And then there are other like messaging apps like telegram. They can also host pods as well, but Buzzfeed, (laughs) one of my faves um buzzfeed actually reported that facebook was removing at least they removed at least 10 groups on their platform that were employing the tactics of trading likes for likes or encouraging users to join pods on telegram so now because facebook owns instagram obviously and i think that i mean whether i mean whether they if even if they didn't own instagram i still think that they probably would work together in this case because it's a little i think shady um, but they basically are saying that they're removing, they started to remove at least 10 groups from that angle that now it's, are they like, have the pods themselves been banned? Um, they have not to be that, that is very clear that, that they have not been officially banned, but that Facebook and Instagram, they do not condone them. So I think it's one more example of Gary Vaynerchuk's <laughs> mantra of marketers ruin everything. Oh, 100%, 100%. <laughs> the social networks something. come out with something and then marketers try to game the system and then they have to like squash it and then something else. It's like it's this game of, you know, cat and mouse. It's Which just, I mean, if I here's the thing. If it's going to benefit my client, I'll probably do it. Well, yeah, sure. Until it stops working <laughs> and then you find something else. <laughs> I will do it. Um, but at the same time, it is very clear, this is not our first rodeo with this, it's very clear that this is not how these platforms, how the founders of these platforms intended for their platforms to be used. And so when you start to, like I mentioned earlier, when they when you start to figure out ways to game the system, then they're on to you and then they'll figure out a way to stop it. And so I think that's what they're doing right now. They aren't banning them because I think that they want to be very clear about not limiting or um, being very conscientious of what they limit and how they ban Mm -hmm. groups and people and whatnot. Because obviously they're going to get into some hot water (laughs) from that angle if they start to just, you know, blanket ban stuff. 
Um, so I think they're trying to be very thoughtful about how they do this, but I think ultimately they are going to have a problem. Now, I will say that one thing that they recommended was to see, like, if your account's been blacklisted, is to test out some posts with very, you know, with with um, hashtags that are not widely used. So you basically post something, use a hashtag that's not widely used, ask your friends that do not follow you to see to to then go search for that hashtag and if you pop up in there then your account probably has not been blacklisted but if you aren't seen in that list then there's some repairing that you'll probably need to do and the reason why they very specifically say to to do a a hashtag that's not widely used is so that way you don't have to sift through thousands of posts to try to find the post so so the next topic Heather wanted to discuss was what are the best marketing tools for small business brands to invest in? That's a that's a big question. That is uh, a big question. What kind of well, tools are you thinking because, of? Well, especially because I know a lot of people anymore are like, you know, Facebook, again, it kind of goes a little bit back to algorithms, but like Facebook wants you to spend time on their channel. They don't want you to leave. So anything that would be pushing them, pushing you, the user on Facebook off mm-hmm. to like a website or like, oh, read my blog post, you know, they're kind of like, well, do I even really need a website anymore if they really want things to live on Facebook? And I've always kind of said, well, of course you want your content to live on a website. You know, that's what you own. That's your property, mm-hmm. you know. Facebook closed down tomorrow, which I mean, it won't. But I mean, if it did, like Mark Zuckerberg would just take your content and run. So personally, um, <laughs> he'd stick in his pocket and run away. <laughs> right. Wait up, Mark. So, um, so yeah. So just like, what is the best? I mean, what should you invest in a website, and how much time or energy should you invest in Facebook or Instagram? So when you say tools, you don't mean just like software tools. You mean platforms in general, also? Yeah, probably just platforms. I mean, some okay. people are scheduling, but I. But mostly, yeah. Just okay, because I because to me, tools like I was going to say something like uh, HubSpot. You know, that's HubSpot's come out with we, a couple of shows ago. I think we talked about HubSpot came out with a really, really low cost marketing tool set uh, that has email marketing and forms and analytics and live chat and um, Facebook ad integration, like a whole slew of oh, nice small cool. business features. Yeah, it's fifty bucks a month for all this stuff. Nice. So when I hear tool, I think software immediately. So I think okay. you know that's one of the tools I recommend to pretty much. Any small business now who wants to kind of dip their toe into using the right software for lead generation. So that's a tool I would always recommend. Um, yeah, you mentioned things like what platforms in general. I mean, yeah, a website, obviously. Um, I can think of very few cases where a website doesn't make sense. I think, Allison, you mentioned things like, you know, if you're doing, um, you know, small retail business, then, yeah, maybe the Instagram shop is your, your way to go. But in general, yeah, everyone should have a website. Oh, I think everybody should have a website. Yeah. I think the reason why some people don't have websites is because of overall corporate branding that they aren't allowed to have oh, yeah. websites. Yeah. So that's when I was mentioning that earlier, which yeah. is very specifically an MLM kind of component. Sure. Yeah. But um, they they won't they, they don't allow you to have a website. I understand why you're using Facebook, but I think without a doubt, website is the way to go. Yeah. What other software do you recommend? Because that HubSpot one was new to me. Oh yeah. Uh, well, HubSpot is kind of um, one of the big ones we recommend. So as far as general tools for marketing, um, let's go with analytics. I think Allison's really big in analytics. You like um, 
Screaming Frog for SEO. I yeah. Think. So the thing with with Screaming Frog though is that you really have to know what you're doing when you're. So maybe in not there. that one. So <laughs> okay. and that's why, like, I personally love it because I love sorting through data and I know what I'm doing. I know how to filter through things and I know exactly what I'm looking for. So if you are a small marketing team, if you are a person within a business that wears a lot of hats, then I would recommend something like SEM Rush over Screaming Frog. So SEM Rush is going to provide you with all kinds of SEO details, SEO audits, keyword research. I mean, they do have a free component. Um, so I love that one. And it's pretty reasonably priced, relatively speaking. So um, the the thing I think sometimes we have to remember as marketers is when we see the price tag of the software, I think for a second there we're like, oh my gosh, is it really $100 a month? Okay, well, if your time is money which it is, then investing in the software could potentially save you hours in the long run. It's worth it. It's so, so worth the money. So Google Analytics, you're like, oh my gosh, no. Well, well no, I use Google yeah, Analytics. Oh, okay. okay, so the in my mind- The price is right, it's okay. free. So right. in my mind, okay, right. let's talk about it. In my mind, Google Analytics is a foundational thing that everybody should have. If you are using a different analytics software, that is perfectly fine. Everybody should have Google Analytics installed on their website in some capacity. It is free, it gives you a ton of information. Mm-hmm. And in the example of, so we use HubSpot. HubSpot's what we use for our personal marketing, uh, our business marketing, I should say personal, uh, for our marketing here. And we use it for clients quite a bit. I use both of those data points in tandem, basically. So whereas HubSpot provides very specific data on kind of the conversion mapping and the buyer's journey from session to lead to customer I can go in and get more granular data within Google Analytics that I can't get within HubSpot right now. Okay. And so that's how I use it. And then going back to the tools. So I think that Google offers a lot of free tools that businesses don't capitalize on. So if you're a local business, having a Google My Business page, if you don't have a, a brick and mortar store that you go, that people go to um, or an office space that people go to, <laughs> Then having a brand page set up, which is kind of the non-local version of um, Google My Business, having that kind of stuff set up, I think can really make an make a, a difference in the long run because then you can do things like monitor your reviews, which is super important. You can also offer um, certain things, like you can offer posts um, with discount codes and things on it through your Google My Business page, and this is all free. I mean, Google makes their stuff. Uh, there are very few things that you have to pay for sure. within Google outside of AdWords. Um, a lot of the base tools are free. So things like Search Console as well. Mm-hmm. Um, it's super easy to set up. Uh, there, there are all kinds of walkthroughs on how to do it. And when you set that up, it gives you just additional insights on the uh, kind of overall performance of your site. Now, you have to... Um, I would recommend consulting with somebody that works in it on a regular basis because there are times where, and this is true with SEMrush or any software, um, there are times where things are flagged within a piece of software because they're looking for a very specific thing. And if that thing isn't there, then they might throw a red flag on it. But it might not be there on your site for a very specific reason. And because it's not troubleshooting, it's not saying, okay, well, is this there? Okay, it's not. Okay, well, what else are they doing to improve this one component? Mm -hmm. Um, then that is the, then that is um, sometimes that could be I think a little bit misleading and you start to think oh my gosh is my site broken and it's not actually broken so I do recommend working with somebody to at least 
walk you through it and do some consulting on it. But overall, I think that with a, a handful of these tools, it's okay. Uh, SharpSpring is another marketing automation software that oh. we use uh, on a regular basis. It is um, a little bit newer. I shouldn't say a little bit. It's a lot newer than than HubSpot. So HubSpot is very clearly the market leader, I think. Um, SharpSpring is, is not far behind. And then what other tools do I use? Moz. I really love Moz, too. Is that M-O-Z? M-O-Z, yes. And I think that their Keyword Explorer is actually one of the best keyword tools on the face of the planet. <laughs> um, okay. And then they also have some local some some local software as well that if you are, if you do have a, a local business, um, it helps you monitor all of your local listings throughout, throughout the internet. Um, and so that's one of those, that's another one of those that it costs money and people were like, I don't know, I could probably do this. But when you factor in all of the time that you're going to have to spend going through and monitoring all of those listings, nope, not going to do it. Pay, pay the money. It's worth Work it. Work smarter, not harder. Yes, yes, it's worth it. So when you're thinking about your marketing budgets, um, it's important to, I mean, if you're wanting to work with an agency or with an outside consultant, that's great. But you always want to factor in some money for software within that. And it can add up pretty quickly. Oh, I'm sure. Um, but overall, if you start to put little pieces in place, um, co- if you combine some of the free tools that are available with some of the paid tools, then that's kind of the best of both worlds, I think. Okay. And HubSpot's marketing um, software is actually free. I don't know it used to be 50 a month, or maybe it's a different one I'm looking at, but you get forms, contact management, um, contact activity, Facebook and Instagram lead ad integration, live chat, and traffic and conversion analytics all for free. From HubSpot, which is pretty incredible. Yeah, love it. So that's a good one. So your last topic, Heather, you wanted to discuss was what does a website need these days to capitalize on SEO? How much time do you have? Absolutely. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, let's do top line uh, information here. <laughs> I know we could probably talk about that for days and days. So and days. I'm going to pick on your website a little bit, if you Great. don't mind, no, as a starting do. point. No, um, please do. And this is going to sound very familiar to people who have been listening to us for a while because these couple things are come up a lot, but. Uh, I noticed your website at heatherchastain.com does not have SSL. I'm curious why. I'm kind of um, usually we tell people, hey, put SSL on there, but I always like to hear kind of why it's not on there. What's the what's the obstacle? Um, there is no <coughs> obstacle that I'm aware of. Uh, okay, my my web designer just didn't occur to you. Yeah, yeah, okay. Occur to me. So uh, SSL is a SEO ranking factor, and I think it's going to become even more important. But it's a it's a rank, not a huge one, but it's a ranking factor. So uh, Google does recommend SSL on all websites, even non-banking sites or non, you know, sites that are high profile or whatever, just SSL is something they recommend. So I would do that. Okay. And then two is we always talk about site speed. Uh, I ran your site through GT metrics and it got a B and a D on the two different categories. So it looks like there's some speed improvements that could help as well. Specifically browser caching and image optimization are the two big things that are kind of killing your site. So a fast site and a Mm -hmm. site that's under SSL is one of the first things that I don't want to say they're easy to do, but they're fairly easy to do without going down a rabbit hole of SEO. Okay. Um, speed up the site, either by changing hosting and or optimizing the site through things like images and caching, and then put SSL on. And that's a really good starting point. Okay. Now, the rest of the stuff for SEO is like a whole big rabbit hole. So I'll sure. let Allison try to encapsulate that into you know two minutes of advice. <laughs> yeah, and what, actually what you just pointed out right there with the, like, the browser caching and some of the images, that was the PageSpeed tool, right, through Google? No, it was uh, GT Metrics. Oh, that's G- oh, I'm sorry, GT yeah. Metrics. Sometimes some of those tools, they're they are looking like I said, they're looking for that specific thing. So like they're looking at browser caching, but if you have server caching, that could also impact it as well. Okay. So that's one of those things where you have to sit there and say, okay, is it worth going through 
adding something else that's different or adding this other component when we already have this one thing in place that we know is providing exactly what we need mm-hmm. um it, because the reason why i asked if it was page speed tools because page speed tools google i think that they are one of the biggest culprits of this of kind of putting things in the report that i don't think that are 100 percent necessary 100 so google um, GT <laughs> Matrix is much more my favorite. Well, now, where is your site hosted, um, by the way? Because I couldn't tell on Built With. It didn't tell me where it's hosted. Uh, Bluehost, I believe. Okay. Um, so chances are they could have some of, like, the that could be something within yeah. the hosting. It's probably fairly inexpensive hosting. Yes. Probably, yeah. Yes, yeah. Yeah. Cheap hosting is appealing, but sometimes cheap hosting means slow <laughs> also. So you may want to kind of look around and see if you can. No, that's a good yeah, point because so. I... I, I easily get annoyed on other people's sites yeah. when they're slow. It's like, oh my God, I had to wait four seconds. What is happening? Yeah. yeah. So other things to capitalize on SEO. Um, let's see. I'm going to look here. Some of the first things that I notice when I go to sites is the title tag of their, kind of the main title of their homepage. Yours says, words have power, queen of words. That is your, the title of your website. So okay. who are you trying to reach? Who would you like? What would you like someone to find you based on a Google search? Well, to be honest, and what would they, they search on? Well, and to be honest, if they're coming to my podcast, I would want them to be either you know entrepreneurs, want to be entrepreneurs, people who maybe have started their business and are looking to grow, and they're wanting to learn about other people and how they marketed or branded themselves, or what mm-hmm. the things that they did to become successful in their career, even if they're not an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Queen of Words is really just the moniker that I've kind of mm-hmm. been going by. Um, it's cute. It's fun. Uh, I have a cute little logo. Um, but to be honest, and I've thought about this a lot the last few weeks, I'm not sure it really means anything anymore in terms of what I'm utilizing mm-hmm. um, my site for and, and the podcast. So that probably does need to be updated because um, the blog is really just supplemental at this point. Like mm-hmm. It's really just something to get to know me personally and just know about my journey. Mm-hmm. So what I would do is I would... Try to figure out what the target audience of your whole site is going to be. Uh, do some keyword research to figure out what people are searching on and which ones have the highest search volume based on who that audience is. Mm-hmm. So tell me about who you work with. Uh, what are what are what's an example of an ideal client for you? Um, an ideal client for me uh, for PR is usually a nonprofit. It's okay. usually someone who um, is just working really hard to get their their name, their message, and they want PR calls. and content. Absolutely. Okay. So you might, I'm just making this up on the fly, it's probably yeah. wrong, but you may do some keyword research and figure out, okay, are people in my area searching on uh, PR consultant? Are they searching on content writing for nonprofits? I mean, maybe you don't target just nonprofits. Maybe you do. I don't know yet. Yeah. But um, what you want to do is right now, words have power and queen of words. Um, I doubt that those are popular search terms for people looking for your services. They're not going to type in, you know, queen of words, for example. So I would probably start to lean things like your title tag, the content on your site, the theme, your whole brand around being a little more plain spoken, Uh, maybe saying, you know, PR consultant. Uh, If you really want PR to kind of be your leading thing, you know, PR Mm -hmm. consultant for nonprofits, that would be probably a great example of something you might frame your site around. Uh, So this has... Pretty much every site um, that asks for the, I see the same thing. They basically put the title of their site and the theme around like their their unique brand, but it's not always translating to what people are searching on. Sure, no, that makes. When you're thinking sense. of SEO specifically, I might do that. So, yeah, okay. What would you, Allison, what would you add to that when it comes to title tags? Or just, in, I mean, title tags kind of the starting point, but I mean, it go, it's more than just a title tag. But that's kind of a good example. Yeah, so I mean, I think that foundationally, the more you can put, the more effort you can put into that type of kind of minor stuff into your, I wouldn't say it's minor, but that kind of um, those items within your site. So the link structure, um, the uh, the title tag, the H1 tags, 
the actual content on the page is super important. You have to make sure um, make sure you're explaining things clearly. Um, but it's always interesting when I'm working with clients because everybody always wants to, they want to be found for certain things, but they never want to talk about themselves or their messaging in the way that people want to search for things. And so that's kind of the disconnect that we have to think about sometimes. Uh-huh. Like Michael said, is that it's got to be people, we've got to think about how people are searching for things and then how do we implement it from there. So once you have that foundational stuff set, then that's when I think you can do some more of the like meteor stuff when it comes to SEO, which is um, producing more content like pillar pages. I'm a big believer in those. And then um, another component is really just getting yourself out there and getting backlinks. So a perfect example is you reach out to us, you're on our podcast, your site is linked from our site now, that's an earned backlink. I mean, that that provides power, mm-hmm. um, and especially our domain authority is relatively high, relatively yeah. speaking. We've been doing this for a long time, so um, we've, we have we kind of have our, our space um, solidified within the marketing world. Yes. So that stuff helps overall, mm-hmm. and but it takes time. It takes a lot of oh, energy sure. to do that kind of stuff, unless you're using, uh, we had uh, zeal from publicity.ai on the, the line a couple of, of months ago. Um, he, that kind of stuff helps, but it's also, it costs money. So if you want to invest in that type of stuff, you either got to spend the time doing it or Mm -hmm. you've got to put money into other people doing it for you. Okay. So backlinks, what are some other things? Um, I'm trying to think off the top of my head. Yeah. Linking from good sources still does, uh, doing, um, Either writing articles or getting articles written on major publications with the link oh, back yes. to your site. That's the that's kind of that's the super the white hat to way to. Yeah. Yeah. It is difficult, is but hard. it pays it's off. Difficult, yeah. but it does pay off. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if you get interviewed by the Indie Star, for example, and they they won't do this, but you get them to put a link to your site within the article, then that would be a pretty huge backlink. Oh. Because and they're interviewing you yes. about your PR recommendations for nonprofits. Mm-hmm. I mean, that would be a huge win for mm-hmm. you in a backlink category. Um. Yeah, the way people are searching, a good example is, um, you know, daycares or child care centers. We see that a lot where child care centers will, they'll always want to be known by, you know, uh, either a learning center or school or something like that. But what do people search on when they're looking for one? Daycare. Daycare. But they hate the word daycare. They hate being known as a daycare. And rightly so, because they teach more than just like, they're not just watching your kids. They're actually teaching them things. They do great work. But you have to remember what are people searching on? Yeah. They're searching for the word daycare. And sometimes you may have to kind of suck it up and say, well, to get ranked on Google, I'm going to have to have daycare as part of my my brand messaging because that's what people care about. Or if you don't want it to be a part of your brand messaging, then you have to kind of blend both the messaging and your marketing together that's true. in one yeah. cohesive thing. So I was talking to a client about this the other day where it is very clear that their brand messaging has no place for the words that they that their users are going to be searching for. I, that is very obvious to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's obvious to them as well. However, in order to get the people in that we know want to be involved within this organization, we have to think about what are ways that we can do that. Okay, well, the way that we're going to do that is we have to create a pillar page that has to do with a very specific topic that we know that our users are searching for that does have to do with what the organization overall is doing and what they provide. However, it's not the exact words and the exact terms that they want to use. So you have to blend both the messaging and the marketing together. Now, I'm big on branding and messaging, of just like not being fluffy. It needs to be something really solid. And I think you probably agree with that. Absolutely. So um, I certainly, uh, I 
I don't think that it should just be thrown away your brand messaging in addition like in lieu of you know putting more effort towards the marketing but there's a way to blend the two of them together and that's the piece that is missing a lot of the times now in the case of the daycare that's something that's kind of basic when it comes to local SEO because mm-hmm. people search for you know Indianapolis daycare or Midtown daycare or however they're they're searching for that type of stuff in home daycare um they they're searching for it in a very specific way from a localized perspective so you have to you have to put your site together in a little bit of a different way in order to do that but if you're not honoring where people want to be found and banking's a big culprit too oh my gosh banks always want to have like cute names for their products oh my gosh people want to look for checking Savings, Thanks. money market. I'll tell you, I, <laughs> should, alone. I should record every single meeting <laughs> that I'm in when I'm putting together a site map with a bank because that's oh, we always talk about that. It, it, they're like, well, we should put our you know th- this cute little checking name within the navigation. I'm like, nobody. How am I supposed to know what that means? Our like, e-money well, secure checking product. No, it's a checking e- account. Yeah. <laughs> our e-money secure. <laughs> Everything is e, right? E, yep. e in front of stuff. Yeah. So. Yes. So, yeah, we're, a part of our job is just gently encouraging our clients to understand how people search. And so we're on a soapbox now, so we're trying to rein it and back to... sometimes too. I'm not so gentle about yeah. it. Sometimes I'm just really direct. It's for the greater good, though. It so. is for the greater good. Well, also, I believe that is why you are working with us, is that yeah. it is it's for our advice responsibility and our yeah. to not... I, you know, we're always our own worst enemies. I I run into the same thing with us, too. I mean, mm-hmm. when when I'm looking at web specific marketing i'm my own worst enemy because sometimes i want to do some stuff some stupid stuff and like stephanie has to kind of rein me back in um that's why we're a great so team i get it yes that's why we're a great I'm not afraid team. to call each other so out i get it i get it <laughs> however um yeah there are other ways yep there are other ways we can do this i'm trying to think of there was there are, i mean we talked about this <laughs> we've talked about this a million times other seo like what are uh, like the biggest impact that we always talk about I mean, SSL, that's one speed. Yeah, SSL speed, the, targeting the, the right the messaging. Foundational. Yeah. The foundational. Schema sometimes. Yes, yes. But that's um, more, that's going to be on okay, the small business. Okay, that's actually really, that could be a very complex thing. Let's we bring it up next time then. Yes. Oh, that would be a great we'll topic. that topic for a, next yes, time. Yes, because we had a client ask about it today specifically. Okay. So we can put a little podcast together. For, That'll be next week's Nathan. episode. I'm looking at Nathan, who's in support, who fields a lot of our client questions. So. Maybe you could even do a spinoff video for it. I could. I know you guys, I haven't done a spinoff video in a couple of weeks. I fully recognize that um, some other things took priority. Sorry about that, but they will be back next week. Well, in the three minutes we have left, Heather, anything else you want to discuss? No, I don't think so. I think we've covered a, a wide variety here. I think we've got a yeah. foundation. This has been a lot of fun. This has. Thank you guys so much for having me and fielding all these questions. It's awesome. Yeah, yeah. I'm glad you uh, reached out and uh, inspired us to do this kind of listener rap session thing. I hope we do it all the time. Yeah, so uh, any fun. listeners out there who are listening, uh, we can see you on our stats, so we know you're there. Um, <laughs> send us a note at radio at spinweb.net. Let us know if you'd like to join us for a listener rap session. We do it just like this. We'll just bring up topics you want to talk about. We'll just talk about it no big deal uh very casual and have some fun so if you're in the indie area you can come actually in our uh, studio in live person live person that's not a weird um live as a live person, person live in person uh and if you're <laughs> remote you can uh, join us via skype so either way will work just fine so thanks heather thank you yeah, thank you fun. thanks and one more time where can people find you heatherchastain.com or if you want to follow the podcast on itunes my first dollar or on instagram my first dollar official Awesome. Well, I hope you pick up quite a few more listeners. I uh, can't wait to listen myself. I've got it on my list to subscribe. So thank you very much. Thank you. All right. Well, with that, we'll wrap up. Thanks so much, Heather. It was a blast having you here. Come back again. See us sometime. 
Thanks, everyone, for joining us. Uh, Spin Radio is brought to you by SpinWeb. We're a digital agency located on the web at spinweb.net. Uh, SpinWeb is your partner in website development and digital marketing solutions, so give us a shout if we can help with any of that. Uh, comments and questions, as always, come to radio at spinweb.net. Thanks again for joining us this week. Have a great day. We will see you next time.